Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Probably every one of us in this room have been shaped by the people, in part, shaped by the people in your lives. Um, Whether it was um, your mom (laughs) or dad, um, maybe a teacher or, or a pastor or a mentor, uh, maybe your friends, um, maybe your boss. Um, we have all been shaped in one way, in part, by the people in our lives. In fact, just as I say that, there's probably a couple of people that come to mind. You can think of that, yeah, this person was incredibly influential in my life. This one had an per- impact on my life. And, and I think we all have those people. Now, here's part of it that maybe you haven't thought about is you, in turn, have an impact for good or bad on the lives of the people around you. That your life makes an impact. And, and I, think, I think moms particularly, this being Mother's Day, I think moms particularly feel the weight of that, probably like no one else. I know my mom um, tells, tells the story because um, I was the firstborn, I'm the oldest in the family, and so I was the first child, and she tells the story of coming home from the hospital and holding me as an infant in her arms and realizing the weight of responsibility that was on her with that. I don't know if she had a premonition of what was to come or what, um, but, um, but yeah, we, I think moms feel that. In fact, if you are in any place of authority or in a position where where there's people who are under you, you have influence and you have impact on the lives of the people around you. And you may not have thought about that, but I think particularly for those of us who are Christ followers, we want to influence and impact the lives of the people around us, not just for this life, but for eternity. And a lot of that has to do with having a little bit of relational wisdom or relational intelligence. And we've been going through the book of James. We're about halfway through now. And and the book of James is all about practical faith. Um, Really what the book of James is all about is how we take what we say we believe or what we sincerely might think we believe and make it become what we truly believe. And we do that by putting it into our lives because those core beliefs, those things that we truly believe, you will never violate your core beliefs, your core convictions. You always act out of and behave out of your core convictions. And so what James is doing, he's saying, listen, don't tell me what you believe and don't don't just think because you believe, agree with it mentally that you believe it. Show me what you believe by the way that you live your life. And in this section of his letter, he talks about your relationships. Last week, we talked about our words. Today, he was talking about our relationships. So if you want to turn there, uh, we're in James chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick it up <clears throat> beginning in verse 13. And this is what James writes. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now what he's saying is, listen, we live in a world and in a culture that operates on certain principles. And and mostly what those principles have to do with is our own selfishness and our own envy. You know, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. In fact, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about doing better than the Joneses. If they have the new Apple iWatch, I have to have the Apple iWatch. You know, whatever it might be, um, I, you know, it's all about keeping up and moving forward. It's that selfish ambition. He says, that's the way the world operates. That's the wisdom of this world. That's the culture that you live in. He says, listen, there's a different way. Don't, don't make that your goal. 
And don't pretend that it's not there. But there's a different kind of wisdom. He says, that wisdom, such wisdom, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, and he says, this is the wisdom you want to live by, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. What he's doing there, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm reading through and I, you get those lists, you just kind of say, yeah, 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 that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of, but what I want to do is kind of unpack those, those terms that he uses, the kind of wisdom, uh, relational wisdom that he wants us to have. And, and that's what we're going to look at. And one of the things he says is, listen, if you want to have those kinds of relationships, if you want to have a depth to your relationships, if you want to have the kind of relationships with people where you are making a positive impact and a positive influence on their life, then it's all going to depend on the kind of seeds that you sow. He says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness, reap the right kind of living, reap a, the right kind of relationships. So it really has to do with the kind of seeds that you are sowing into the relationships with those around you. And so that's what we're going to look at. Is that what does that look like? What does this relational wisdom look like? How are you going to have a positive impact on the lives around you? And I think it starts with this. It begins with living a life of integrity. He says the very first thing is that this wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. First and foremost, it's about your integrity. More than anything else. He said, if you don't get this part right, none of the rest of this list matters to you. Because first and foremost... This wisdom from heaven is pure. It, it's about integrity. It's about, there are not any mixed motives. Um, there, there's a, 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 there's a, a, a unity about what you say. And the, and the way that you are in public is the same that you are in private. And the way that you relate to people to their face is the same way that you might talk about them when they're not there. It's, 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 it's relational purity. It's integrity or the best definition I ever heard is integrity is, is who you are when nobody's looking. That you are the same in public as well in private. No hidden agendas, not self-serving, not manipulating other people for your own purposes, which is the way that the world operates. In fact, he says that. He says, listen, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Because nobody wants to be manipulated. And people, you know it when somebody is using you. It doesn't take too long to figure that out. And what he's saying is, listen, when you relate to people, relate with them honestly. And it's not about perfection. It's about consistency and authenticity and a genuineness about your life. The thing is that we live in this world, in this culture, where that selfish ambition, you know, if it takes a little bit of, of manipulation, we're prone to do that. If it takes a little bit of shading the truth or maybe telling a lie here or there, we are prone to do that. I, I read a, um, a survey actually this week about a survey this week. And um, the survey came out that, that basically 90% 
of the adult population in America has admits that they do at times tell a lie. Now, what's really interesting about the survey is they first started with it's a whole series of questions. The first part of the questions is, is it ever okay to lie? And, and, and would you ever find yourself in a position where you would need to lie? And about 40% of the respondents said, no, never. Lying is never good. I would never lie. I would never have an opportunity or need to lie. But then the very next question is, have you told a lie within the last week? And 90% of the people said, well, I might have. <laughs> That, that's the culture that we live in. We, you know, we say and we think, no, 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 that, it's never right. But given the right set of circumstances, I might be prone to stretch the truth just a little bit. See, all of our relationships are built on trust. And that's why integrity is so important. Because when you discover that somebody is not trustworthy, it undermines the whole relationship. That I don't say one thing and do another. Or I don't say one thing to somebody's face and then talk about them differently behind their back. I was, uh, uh, years and years ago, I was in a, in a position. Um, and, and the boss, um, he had this habit of talking badly about the other employees, the other staff members. And so we would be in conversation and he would be complaining about this other staff member, this other, other employee, and talking about what they don't do or how they don't perform their job right. And, and he did that all the time. And after a while, I started to think, so what does he say about me behind my back? See, that's what it does. It undermines your relationships. When I think about my mom, in fact, I was... Um, writing a card for my mom for Mother's Day this week. And that's kind of one of the traditions in our family. We don't maybe buy a lot of presents, but, but on those occasions, we always send a card. And it's not, you can't just go find a card off the rack at Hallmark, underline a few words and mail it away, okay? You have to put something meaningful there. So I was thinking this week and just writing the card to my mom and what I appreciated about her and what she taught me and, and, and everything all through my life. And I began to realize that I can't remember any particular conversation or any words particularly to me. Well, except the ones that all moms say. You know, like, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And, um, you know, don't run with scissors in your hand. You're going to poke your eye out. You know, all of those kinds of things. I remember those. But, but in terms of, you know, real teachings, I don't remember many of those. What I do remember to this day is how she has lived her life. And it's the examples that she gave me and the way that she lived out her faith that have more impact on my life than any one saying or any one sentence that she might have said to me. That's the kind of thing that James is talking about. So if you're going to have a positive impact, it's going to start with you living a life of integrity. Then I think the next group, it's kind of three that he kind of puts together. And it's all about how to resolve conflict. Now, listen... Every relationship you are in is going to have conflict, okay? There is no getting around it because you are two different people from two different backgrounds with two different personalities, with two different approaches to how to handle things. So there is going to be conflict. That might be a mild disagreement. It might come to a full-blown argument, but whatever it is, it's inevitable, okay? But James says there's a way to, uh, to, to handle conflict with godly wisdom. He goes on. He says this wisdom from heaven is peace-loving, considerate, and submissive. Is those three keys are the keys to resolving conflict. Now, here's a question I'm going to pose for you. In fact, just think about this for a moment and then turn to the person next to you. 
what do you think is the number one cause of conflict or disagreement in your relationships? Okay, just think about that for a moment. What is the number one cause? What causes those fights and those quarrels and those disagreements and those arguments, okay? Just turn to the person next to you and think, what do you think the number one cause is? Okay, just quickly, just tell the person next to you. What do you think it is? Let me see if your answer is the same as James. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, we think in a quarrel and an argument, it's the other person. The other person is the problem. And the truth of it, James says, is no, no, the problem is you. You're not getting what you want. And that's what the problem is. And so the way to resolve conflict, the way to do that is, is admit it from your side of it. Deal with your stuff. And that's why he talks about it's peace-loving. Now, peace-loving is all about this idea of being non-combative, non-critical, that, that, that being even-tempered. Because you're going to have those disagreements. And what tends to happen, and, and I talk about this with couples when I do premarital counseling, we talk about resolving conflict and developing communication skills. And what tends to happen is that, that there tends to be this escalating attack and then retrenchment and, and, and counterattack. And, and that, that's kind of how it goes. Somebody is upset and says something. And so usually it's something accusative, like you always, you know, or you, you know, and it's always kind of you, 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 you. And one of the things I tell couples is start the sentence with this, I am angry, okay? Start with you. Because the minute you say that other person started this whole thing and it's all their fault, you have put them on the defensive. And what are they going to do? They're going to counterattack. And what happens is there's this escalating war of words that builds and builds and builds. And then what happens is you start doing damage on a level far deeper than you realize. This is the first thing about resolving conflict is simply don't be so touchy. <laughs> Because the wisdom from above is peace-loving. Then he goes on, he says, it's considerate, which means it's, it's sensitive to the feelings of the people around you. I talked about this idea that, that you start doing damage on a, on a deeper level than you realize. Because in, in our communication, we, we, we communicate on a lot of different levels, from the, the most surface, the cliche level, which is the kind of conversation you have with people that you don't particularly know or want to get to know. You just happen to be there at the same time, so you, this you know, small talk kind of stuff. But then it starts to go deeper and deeper. And as it gets down deeper, it starts getting down into the emotional level, the feeling level. And what happens very often is in, a, in, a, in, a, in an argument or in a disagreement, you have a difference of opinion, which is up here. But when you start attacking one another, you start dealing on an emotional level. And even though it's a difference of opinion, you start attacking on an emotional level. And so you're doing damage on a deeper level that you can possibly imagine. And I've met with couples and talked with couples where that has gone on for years and years. And the kind of damage that's been done. And the, the, the feelings that have been hurt and, and, and the, the depth of that hurt is hard to overcome. So he says, first of all, it's peace-loving. Secondly, it's considerate. Just being sensitive to the feelings of other people. A number of years ago, um, 
my wife Betty was having an issue going on at work and um, it was just kind of really frustrating her and she was really angry about it and just really bothered by it and, and about something that somebody had said and she was talking about it and just you know, really worked up out of it. And I, and I said something really stupid. I said something like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and she immediately stopped and she says, don't tell me how to feel. These are my feelings. And, you know, I should have known better. I what am I? Stupid, stupid, you know? Because feelings are not about logic. They're not. But that doesn't mean they're not real. And so being sensitive to other people's feelings. And then the last thing he talks about is being submissive. Now, that is not a word that we like. Because that has this whole idea, it's, it's demeaning, it's humbling, um, it, it, it has this feelings of being weak and, and being under subjection. But he says, no, submission is a big, big part of it. And it has to do with being reasonable and open to discussion. That it's not just my way or the highway. Submission says, I have my opinion and this is how I think, but I want to hear what you have to say too. Now, I know that's really, really hard when you know deep down that your way is the right way, okay? <laughs> but submission is just simply saying, I don't have all the answers. You might possibly be right. Maybe. <laughs> but I'm willing to listen. He says, relational intelligence requires this ability to resolve conflict. The next one he talks about is Allowing others the freedom to fail. Because he goes on, he says, This wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and good fruit. The people in your life, the people that you're in relationships with, they are not perfect, and neither are you. And they're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. Your husband, your wife, your friends, your kids, they will let you down. And you need to allow them the freedom to do that. And to extend to them mercy and grace. To make allowances for, for the mistakes of others. Um, you may have a person in your life that, that you know that, that maybe keeps a, um, a mental file cabinet full of every mistake you ever made. Anybody? I won't have you raise your hands because they might be sitting next to you. But... But, but you know those people, and it's like anytime you get into an argument or anytime you've done something wrong, they open the file cabinet, and out comes everything you ever did wrong, you know, and it's just on and on and on. Now listen, if you're going to have any kind of relational wisdom or intelligence, you got to lock that file cabinet up. you got to let people make the mistakes and even re- make them repeatedly, but continue to extend mercy, continue to extend grace. Instead of labeling people and categorizing them and sticking them in that file cabinet, allowing them the freedom to have made a mistake and still be in your life. Now, that can be hard depending on what they've done. And it may be that it's just, it could be something just so bad that you can't safely let them back into your life, but you can still forgive and you can still extend mercy. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. James says, judgment without mercy will be shown anyone who has not, anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And the last one, be willing to admit your own inadequacies. He kind of finishes where he started. 
that this wisdom is impartial and sincere. And he uses two words in the Greek, which is the language our, our Bible was originally written in. Um, he uses these two words, and they're very similar. They both start with the letter A. And, and in Greek, um, that letter A means not. Okay? It's a, it's a prefix. Um, like someone who is an atheist is someone who does not believe in God. Okay? That's what the A is. And he uses these two words. One is adiakritos, and the second one is anipokritos. And what the two of them mean is that this wisdom from the above, above is not duplicitous. And it's not hypocritical. That hypocritos, that's where we get our word hypocrite. And it actually comes, it's a term from Greek theater, ancient Greek theater, because they didn't have stage makeup and all of that. So when you went to the theater and you watched a play, um, they would hold masks in front of them. And that mask was the representation of the person that they were portraying. Um, because like I said, they didn't have stage makeup. All they had was this mask. And, and so it came to mean the hypocrite is someone behind the mask. Okay, that there's a mask, but then there's the real person behind it. And it's someone who, who, who operates and lives behind a mask. That's a hypocrite. And he's saying wisdom from above lets down the masks. It's being honest about my own inadequacies and my own weaknesses. That I don't pretend to be better than I am. I mean, think about this. Those people, remember at the beginning I said, there's probably one or two of those people that you can think about that had that influence in their life. Probably one of the characteristics about them was their humility. That they didn't pretend to be better than you were. That they came alongside of you and treated you with all of those things that we've been talking about. They weren't hypocritical. They didn't pretend to be something they weren't. They were just honest and straightforward and humble. I mean, think about it. Remember in school, the person who always raised their hand and always had the answer, okay? The person who was just, you know, the perfect student kind of a thing. Nobody liked that person <laughs> because it made the rest of us feel inadequate. And James saying, listen, relational wisdom means letting down the mask, showing your weaknesses. And if you think about it, even Jesus, who was perfect, used his humanity and his weakness to, to reach out to the people around him. You might remember he had a conversation with a woman at the well about living water. And it all started from a place of weakness. Where he just stood at the, at the well when she came and said, could, I, could you get me a drink of water? And that weakness led to a conversation that changed her life for eternity. See, everything that we've talked about are all the things that Jesus demonstrated in his life. He was pure he was peace-loving. He was considerate. All of those things. Merciful. And even allowing his weaknesses to be a part of his ministry. Humility. is probably at the bottom of all of it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James says. So submit yourselves to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.